Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Wherever you may be listening from, thanks for tuning in. On episode 98, I seized the opportunity to meet with a friend for the first time near one of my favorite places on the planet. If you visited the Presidio, Fort Mason, and Chrissy Field in San Francisco, California, then you know the magnetism and the majesty of that part of the world. Amidst the radiant reflection of the Golden Gate Bridge, once described as possibly the most beautiful and certainly the most photographed bridge in the world, my friend and guest, David Watson, found a spot to sit and record a conversation that was a few years in the making. I first heard David's origin story in September of 2020, and afterward reached out to him to thank him for sharing it with the world. I've had the pleasure of benefiting from David's incredible work, his passion, and his calling, giving voice to the unvoiced. And at a time when the rights and voices of so many are being silenced, it is more important than ever that we voice the unvoiced and echo it to the boundless potential for healing. Enjoy this powerful conversation. Hi. <laughs> it's so nice to, like, just... Yeah, I'm really happy. It's been a long time coming. When was it that we first got introduced, do you remember? It was shortly after you did the first podcast, Clay, right? A year ago, closer to two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I remember very specifically, yeah, it was one of his earlier podcasts. I think you were, like, episode three or four. I'm trying to remember how I came across him was... He was a guest on another person's podcast, and they were talking about his work that he had done, the men's circles, the kind of brotherhood piece of it. So I found him through that and then listened to his podcast. I think your episode might have been the first one I clicked on to listen to, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, (laughs) that's the way it kind of works out. Um, Do you remember what you talked about on that podcast? I believe my journey of discovering my purpose yeah. and, uh, and really moving from being emotionally reactive to thought reactive. And it's interesting because I should actually re-listen to that episode because I've changed so much from that point in which there was a real paradigm shift for me and defining my purpose to live with honesty and integrity so that I can build community and share my love with the world. And being able to not only formulate that, but then be able to actually say it, have it roll off the tongue and mean it, you know? But since then, there's been just such such tremendous growth. This recent podcast that I did really got into the heart of of some of the stuff that has been holding me back. My struggle with shame that was brought on by religion and that aspect. So uh, there's been a, a tremendous amount of growth. Take the time to look at, be able to step back and look at your life and look at all the things that have made you who you are and look at some of the coping mechanisms that you had in place and actually say, is this really serving me anymore? And one of the things that I did early on was define the, the, the voice, the, your shadow voice, some people call it, um, that sits on your shoulder and, and whispers things to you that might not be true. <laughs> I named mine Bull, and he's named Bull because he's either like a bull in a china shop or he's full of shit. <laughs> so, um, and you know, Bull is a part of me, and Bull is part of of what makes David, David. And so um, I no longer look to Bull and want to get rid of Bull because he serves a purpose. He protects you. Like It's like these, these are maybe protecting you not in the best way, but realizing that I have 
this voice that sometimes is maybe a voice of, of extreme caution, that's actually a defense mechanism to prevent you from doing something that puts you at, at risk. Yeah. And there's that fight flight, right. you know. I remember that. hearing someone say to me once, you know, for, for a lot of us who have done, as you said, kind of a lot of work, right, the, the past year and beyond, one of the things we always fight and try and understand is the ego. Mm. Somebody told me years ago, the goal is not to kill the ego. The goal is not to be egoless because the ego protects us, if you think about it. Now, obviously, ego running amok is not a good thing either. <laughs> right. And that has a, a whole different set of issues. But I remember somebody saying the goal is not to be egoless because the ego in some way actually protects you. It keeps you safe in some ways. It's a little bit of a protector. But it's oftentimes when we put it in charge, we give it the keys and we say, make every decision through this lens of self-protection, maybe even self-preservation. But then, as you describe, it's Bull who's telling you the world looks like this. For example, you and I just walked up here, Chrissy Field, beautiful part of San Francisco. We just saw two Joint Strike Fighters fly by. Uh -huh. <laughs> kind of unexpected. Uh, first thing that came into my mind was, Oh my gosh, are we under attack? What's going on in What's the world? What's going on in the world? Know? Now, is that partly like, that would be like my equivalent of my bull talking, which is finding the worst case scenario and saying, what am I gonna, you know, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna handle the situation if that is the case? Right. And, I, and I think that our society really does, in a way, does us disservice because the, everything is so sensationalized and they always take it to that point. So we're, our default is to go to the worst case scenario because even when, if it isn't the worst case scenario, it gets so sensationalized that it just becomes the worst thing in that moment. Mm -hmm. The reason why it is also there is that you also then start to think about, well, what are you gonna do in this moment? Right. Okay, you are not home, you are traveling. How are you gonna, you know, you do have a hotel room, but like, you know, it's so, the, it, you start building the stories in your head right. and try to figure out which story could be the closest to what might be happening. And then, but you have a contingency plan too. And, but that, that's that self-preservation thing. So there's a lot that society sort of puts there that helps us default to that sort of thing, which isn't always healthy yeah. too, you know? We've probably talked a little bit about default mode network, right? Which is like, that's, we're so trained to go to this and immediately be on the defensive or sometimes on the offensive. And it all comes down to that sense of like survival, which we can get into this whole aspect of it's even more pressure put on men. And one of the reasons we bonded so well early on was we both realized and recognized how hard it is for men to talk to men from a place of authentic, genuine, vulnerable points in their life. And I don't think it's gotten any easier. <laughs> I think we've had a lot more examples these past couple of years because we're kind of reaching inward and, and the state of the world has caused us to sit still for a little bit. I mean, even the fact that you and I are meeting today is kind of a miracle because this is, you know, first trip in a long time for me. And I would love to get your take on that from the standpoint of, I don't think those pressures on society are lessening on us. No, I, they're not. I, I will absolutely, I will absolutely uh, concur with you on that. I, I, I agree that that those pressures um, are still there. I think it is like anything. The the more you practice it, yeah. the easier it becomes for you. But I think looking to grow a group yeah. and get more men, there's it's there's fear. There's yeah. it's scary because the perception that society dictates that default is that if I express emotion as a man and say that I'm scared, then I'm weak. And then that, that kind of goes back to, you know, we were hunters and hunters, hunter gatherer and then, and protectors. And we aren't that anymore. We're in a world that is, that is more pleasure filled than anything. Everything is at your fingertips. Yet the construct that has sort of been there all along, and uh, maybe it's you know part of our reptilian brain or yeah, whatever, yeah. is still this, you know, is that especially to another man, to show any form of weakness um, means that they could conquer you in, in, in that like in that animalistic kind of way. And I don't know exactly what it's gonna take in our society to break that construct. I don't know if it's even possible. I think that you slowly chip away and you and you can get 
more more men that are willing to at least try and and you do things like like podcasts and you present the what your experience was so that you can show them it's possible i am such a different person today than i was two and a half years ago when i started working working with purpose infused brotherhood and working with clay and having done that first podcast that was the first time I ever did a podcast. And then I got to meet you. And that reconnected me with some other people, which I really do miss. I want to help men learn to talk to one another. And I think the biggest thing that, that our society needs is men to learn to talk to each other, try and come to understanding without trying to persuade, without trying to... to change their mind and there is so much fighting in between especially politics mm -hmm. and that is one of the biggest areas that that there is resistance against each other when you are faced with or challenged with something our default is to double down and be like no um, and through working with with people that have completely different views a different background from blue collar a, you know, a blue-collar town. Uh, I grew up in a white-collar town. I am an immigrant. There's a there's a lot of things about about that that I look at the United States of America through a slightly different lens because I am not from originally from this country. You know, I moved here when I was two and a half, so I am as American as as you can get, and I am a U.S. citizen, but by naturalization. And we're a product of our environment. Right? And so my environment, in, in my environment, is this journey from a different country here uh, and, and coming to the United States and, and being able to look at why my parents left Jamaica, which was political unrest. Michael Manley, the prime minister of Jamaica, being buddy-buddy with Fidel Castro. And he used the media to bring up fear and he dismantled the entire country by by saying if you don't like it you can leave and there's five flights a day from montego bay five flights a day from kingston and the middle class picked up and left destroying the economy so now that you have the super poor and then you have the super rich and there's almost nothing in between and while that isn't the situation that's going on in this country um the situation is that that the wealthy are becoming more wealthy and the, the middle class is becoming poorer. <laughs> so in a different way, that spread is still happening and it's causing a lot of civil unrest. And, um, and that is the tension that, that exists in this country. A lot of it is propagated by men. <laughs> so, you know, let's, let's face it, this, this country is still predominantly ruled by white cisgen male people of of wealth you can't become president of the united states if you're not a millionaire mm -hmm. you could become president if you wanted to if you wanted to try right. but you'd have to figure out how to become a millionaire i of course can't because i was not born in the united states and i therefore am not permitted to become president of the united states because this country is still controlled by men and hopefully that will continue to change i think we see more and more women coming into coming in and, and being given that opportunity to shine and i still think that it's so important that we we figure out how how men can talk to each other and and the only way to do that is to f create platforms to teach men how to do that because it's not an innate skill it's not something that that we are taught. I think the one thing that the pandemic actually um, has really helped with, uh, it, it gave some people that were probably doing it on their own and sort of sort of trailblazing on their own. It they started to seek out connection in a different way because they weren't going into the office, they weren't doing their water cooler meeting, shooting the shit by the water cooler, as they would say. Um, so they they reached out and looking for new ways of connecting, and I think that that has formed. I, I'm seeing more examples um, of that, 
part of what has allowed that to happen is that the push that technology, technology was already there. I mean, thank God that pandemic happened when it did, because if it had happened 10 years before this, I don't even know how this country would recover. There was no Zoom. There was ba very bare bones, you know, video chat with, you know, two pixel, megapixel cameras and stuff, you know, like, um, and uh, so there, there wasn't an infrastructure in place that would have been able to, to handle that. Um, so I, I think that with the technology and people being forced to step into technology and, and figure out, uh, and technology was at the point that it wasn't insurmountable um, odds to, to actually how to learn to learn how to do that, how right. to learn how to build these communities, I think is an exciting thing. And that's, I think, why we see more and more men's groups uh, mm -hmm. taking off. More and more people start, are doing podcasts and um, and uh, looking for new ways to connect with people. And, you know, it's no longer meeting people at work and, and that's your circle. Your circle now can be global. It's been like that for a long time. There has been the ability to be global, but our day-to-day -day lives did not really make room for it. And then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden we have. Yeah. So you and I both been part of the Brotherhood and obviously when we first met, it was all virtual. Most of the guys um, connected for the first time virtually. How do you think now we're kind of at this place now where you, for example, you went back east, you got to meet yes. a lot of the guys for the first time. You've had it in person. You're obviously still doing things virtually as well. And we're kind of at this weird place now where we're not quite out of this pandemic, but people are starting to gather in small groups, meet up for the first time like, like you and I are doing this, this weekend. What excites you about the blend of both of these? Um, all I would say to you is if you are resisting hybrid, working in a hybrid environment, there are two examples I will say. Blockbuster video. Yeah. The other one was the music industry and what happened with MP3s and the resistance there. It eventually, you know, it, it fell apart mm -hmm. because people wanted what they want and they get what they want when enough people have decided that. A really telling moment for that was September of 2021, that's when a lot of businesses started to mandate people start coming back into the office because it was kind of, it was before Omicron, right. but after yeah. Delta mm -hmm. and, you know, and people were going into the office and LinkedIn was blowing up with stories of yeah. people being like, I'm going into the office and spending my entire day on Zoom. Yep. And, and because not everybody is there and I, I am, it is no more productive. In fact, I no longer get to have uh, dinner with my family I don't, or I don't get to prepare dinner for my family. And um, yeah, there, there was, it was so telling. Take notice of this businesses and take notice of it, people like that, the idea that you have to be at a desk in order to do your job and, and that you have to be physically around people in order to have connection. And that's not the case. I mean, obviously you and I have formed a, a strong friendship and a kinship because of that. And, you know, when I went back East to meet the brothers, I, um, I, I left San Francisco going to visit friends mm -hmm. and I came back leaving family. And that was very evident to me. Like these are, these are people without question I love and wholeheartedly and couldn't be more different from each other. At no time did I not feel comfortable being myself. And especially being a gay man, being around a lot of straight men, everyone else in the group that was there, they're all straight. You're divulging stuff about your life. And I, I spent so much of my life worried about making other people uncomfortable because I'm gay and because my realities might be different from the hetero norm. At no point did I feel uncomfortable sharing those things with these guys because there is a level of respect and love and openness. They, their walls are down just as much as mine are and they are open to understand and they are asking questions. They're asking very personal questions and at no point did I say, oh, I shouldn't, I, I might need to, to really hold back and not go 
full, I didn't even have to, I didn't even think about it. That was, that was a thing. And that's how I knew that they'd really kind of cross that line from even being just friends to being right. family, to being part of my choice, my family of choice. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but you have to, in, in order to, in order to grow, we have to learn to, to be better active listeners. We need to recognize that that we are the sum of our individual experiences. And so everyone's experiences are different. And so the things that are important to other people that are important in their lives is a culmination of their experiences is what di sort of dictates how they feel about it or not. For instance, through the whole political situation with Trump and how immigrants were being treated, I had a huge problem with it because I'm an immigrant. So immigration is important to me because I am one. And the opportunities and my life would have been so much different had my parents stayed in Jamaica. And, to, and probably to my detriment, being gay, because Jamaica is still one of the most homophobic countries in the world. And then also my struggles, mental illness with depression, and anxiety and, and that stuff, and then having ADHD. That's something I actually kind of wanted to talk to you about. There's so much like to learn from one because, I mean, I think in some way for us to forge kind of endured relationships, I think you have to go to the person. I mean, and, and, and that, hap that can be in virtual, that can be in person, but I think there's something about like putting your boundaries down and yes. your, your barriers down. and. I know you said like getting on the plane, going across the country, meeting these people for the first time, you knew that you weren't gonna do it half, halfway. Like you were kind of all in for it. I also think you knew you went with the intention of I'm, I'm gonna be changed. I'm gonna allow myself to be changed. I think what's interesting to me, there's, a, there's an element of this which says, like there's a, there's a deep yearning, right? There's a, there's, a, there's a deep yearning and a deep knowing that people have to connect. If you take the population that identifies as male, all the stuff we talked about before, there's all this pressure put upon men. And I think one of the great mysteries of life is that we all walk this life with an unmet need. And that unmet need is a sense of belonging. I think it's been dialed up these mm -hmm. past couple years because of us having to force separate and by forced separation, we then had to really kind of come to terms with who we were and, and what's important in our lives. The springing up of things like brotherhood, men's groups, connecting virtually, then connecting in person. There's a lot that I think you've pulled through all of these experiences. And, and now you're at a place where you've come through your own stuff and you, you want to create a container so that others don't necessarily have to... I mean, everybody has to go their, their walk. I'm not going to say, like, I don't want to take anybody's journey away from them. Right. but. If somebody were to say, hey, I want to do that walk and I'd like to reach out and understand where are the pitfalls, where should I look out for, or in those moments where I feel completely alone, I know I can reach out and know that I'm not. So the container that you want to create based on all the work that you've done the past couple of years, but also more importantly, the things you've observed about yourself. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because it's not just you as a man. It's you as a man who identifies as gay. It's you as a man who is you navigated mental illness. It's you as a man who's telling your story about being an immigrant. And all of those things, I think, are kind of on-ramps for people, but they don't know where to turn. The reason I want to create something like that is, you know, as you said, is to maybe make it a little easier, or at least what are the things to look out for? And, and really, these are the, this is, I've changed my defaults of like how I, how I react to things, how I take things in. Um, and the, the, the realization that, and where I was kind of talking about the fact that we have all of these, we are, are the sum of our, of our upbringing. And we, uh, so every single one of us is unique and the experiences are, those experiences are, are unique um, to to that in to the individual and so one of the things that men struggle with is we and that's how we rank ourselves and the fact is is that really doesn't serve any purpose in the long run ranking like 
you're an individual, you're different than me. There are things that I can do better than you could ever do. And then there are things that I have no clue. Mm -hmm. I mean, you study six languages, okay? English, I can speak English well, but I took Spanish and I took a year of Russian. The challenge that is, is really there for men is that it is about getting to a place of understanding, a place of, of not comparing yourself to other people, but opening yourself up to the experience of other people's thoughts, feelings, even if they're absolutely counter to yours. Mm -hmm. And that, that doesn't mean that they're bad people, you know? What I want is men to, to understand that it's, there's a, it's a safe, it's safe. There's a safe space. Um, and the only way you can make it safe is by helping men to really come to a place where you're looking for understanding rather than alignment. I know I don't want you to take on my opinions and mm -hmm. thoughts. I want to know your opinions. And so I want to help teach men how to deal with some of the most difficult things. So there are men that have all these different opinions and one of the most difficult relationships that I had to overcome was the one with Clay because of not just political alignments, but the environment that he grew up in it was very conservative and I'm far more liberal. And here is a person that I love and is family to me. And we have these really highly charged topics that are in complete opposition from each other. To this day, it was the most difficult relationship for me to navigate because I, I had gotten to the point where the anchor that I used was love. Like, the love I have for him and, and, and the person that I know him to be does not necessarily align with the noise that exists in those opposing opinions. The most um, uh, emotional um, moment for me um, was after we had a conversation about, about guns and guns violence. And it was right after an, another shooting. I think this, it was about a, a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I said, I said to him in a, in a message on Facebook, aren't you afraid of somebody going in with a, a AR-15 that has enough in one clip to take out an entire classroom? And him being a teacher was like, he, he said no. And I instantly stopped my conversation on text because I started to have an emotional reaction. And I reached out, I'm like, I need to have a conversation with you because I needed to come to understanding. And that is the key to making this work, is that it is about understanding, not about persuasion. And being able to admit that you don't necessarily have all the facts. Yeah. What Clay was saying is that he was more afraid of a handgun that was of a higher caliber because it can be concealed and higher caliber means that it makes a bigger opening in the human body and there's a less likely chance of surviving. It's something I didn't even think of. And so in that moment, I had to admit to myself that I didn't know a much, as much about guns as I may have projected to say, well, I was anti-gun and I'm not anti-gun at all. Um, but. I don't think there is a need for assault rifles or semi-automatic weapons for the average everyday person. So kind of navigating this conversation, which is politically charged, there is, you know, right against left. And what it turned out was that what was a the common theme? Where was the understanding? We're both against gun violence. I think anybody can say that. Who would be for gun violence? I don't. I, I mean, I think you'd have to be pure evil, mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily think that there are people that are pure evil yeah. um, in the world. So getting to the understanding is the way I look at it is Clay and I are standing in the aisle, and one side is the conservative, one side is the liberal. And we're standing in the aisle, and we're actually saying similar things, mm -hmm. but we're coming from different angles. And so the conversation then changed. I started being inquisitive, and I started to be curious mm -hmm. and say, you know, what is the problem with registering 
guns. He's like, well, most conservative people are against that because they're against big government, right? And so government doesn't have the, shouldn't have the right to know what is, what arms they have or, you know, what kind of thing. And if that's reality, then that's reality. So, you know, for me to, to go in there and be like, you know, come from the, uh, the angle of like, well, that's just wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, how is that helping that situation? So it, it's coming to an understanding and then finding a common theme and figuring out how to navigate it. And that was when I got the most growth. One of the, one of the points that I had the most personal growth was knowing that this person that I love and I care about deeply and I know there is nothing about him that is, you know, he's has no malice. He is an amazing human being. And I am, I feel honored that I know him and that I, that I consider him family, even though we have these completely sort of different views, but where we can find common ground is only done through learning to communicate better and being able to talk and to try and not be emotionally reactive and be thought reactive and and the David that existed three years ago yeah. it'll be three years in October when we started the the uh, purpose infused brotherhood um, to now uh, is just such a huge difference and so my intention is to have a platform that teaches how to get to understanding, how to accept what is the, what is. So I kind of, I subscribe to Byron Katie's Mm -hmm. loving what is, and there's some people that will read that and they think it's like, they just, it doesn't resonate with them, but you listen to the podcast, you got in touch with Clay, Clay put you in touch with me, our, our friendship has grown, like all that was supposed to happen, because it yeah. did, I mean, yeah. that's, you know, loving what is, it is, it is what it is. But there is something deeper when you start focusing on what are your intentions, and then what are the purposes. So my purpose, as I said earlier, was to live with honesty and integrity so that I can build community and share my love with the world. and. And building community, what does that look like? It is about helping men come to levels of understanding and that persuasion is not the answer. It is not helping. Mm -hmm. And it is what causes emotional reactions. And if you keep that in mind and you talk about that, and when I can say that most difficult relationship is with the person that founded the brotherhood Mm -hmm. and that I have this really amazing relationship, friendship with, and I have grown so much, even though we have these really different views. Um, And when you dissect those views, we tend to group things into bigger, bigger chunks. And, you know, when you, if you say you're conservative, then that means that from a liberal point of view, then, then that means you you don't care about immigrants, you don't care about, and that isn't, those statements aren't necessarily true. It could be that you don't even think about it. And that was a lot of the cases. Why would immigration be important to somebody who hasn't necessarily had the opportunity to travel and isn't from another country? They're, and maybe the origins of their family comes from a different country. Obviously they did eventually, you know, because if they're, unless they're Native American, it just may not have that level of importance in their lives. and. And how can I hold that against someone? You know, the other thing is that is, is feelings aren't facts. That's, that's another thing of, of really helping, helping men to cope with that idea is that why do we get into these heated arguments and, and double down when it's topics that become heated um, is also because we have a lot of people in these echo chambers that are just saying the same thing themselves and yeah that's that's how everyone everyone thinks this way and and that isn't the case necessarily the case and the noise that is going on is is really hard to filter out Mm -hmm. and you this was actually something that you were talking about with um 
with the, the musician, with Fabiana, which was an incredible episode, by the way. Fabiana, you're amazing. <laughs> I hope you listen to this, and I just want to know, I want you to know, I teared up at the end of the podcast because it just so emotionally resonated me. There were so many things that you said in there that I know I've been afraid to take the steps to move forward on this because I feel a little lost and it's scary. And I, I can sit here and admit that, but listening to someone like, like yourself really helped me. And thank you for, yeah. for providing that platform. Sure. And I see that, that like what your platform has provided me is incredible. And I know that I have it within me to do that. And that's one of the things that I'm looking at today as being another paradigm shift because you're physically being here, and this is where that connection, why there is an importance to actually have a hybrid thing, yeah. is that my soul right now is telling me, like, it's time. It's time to do this. And your visit, knowing that I can talk to you about this, talk to you about my fears, and also the fact that you have what, what you started out just to help people within your company has become this global platform for you. I can do that too in a different, and I can do that in a different way. And it's like, I have no, I, there's no excuses. There are plenty of excuses that I could come up with, but none of them actually have any leg to stand on. <laughs> if I, if I challenge it and say, you know, is it, if I challenge it and say, is it fear? Cause that is, I think that that is also when you are talking about in the context of, uh, of, that fear is what drives us to, to build walls. Fear is what drives us to double down instead of opening up. You have to start acknowledging that. Men need to acknowledge that in a new way and that, that the world is not black and white. It is way more gray. And we need to understand that because everyone is different, and everyone has these different perspectives that what is important to one isn't being isn't necessarily important to the other but if it's all grouped together then how do you that you're like well they believe you know the conservatives believe x y and z and the liberals are abc and you're constantly bucking heads and fighting and and the it's it's fear you know there's a lot of fear based it's fear of of um, being viewed as weak, we, you know, we talked fear of um, of uh, being proven wrong, which is goes to ego, yeah, right? Absolutely. And I'll say why women make better leaders than men, in my opinion, right now, is because their rational mind and emotional mind are are closely tied together. And men have a harder time because they have a harder time letting their ego letting go and I mentioned it earlier about my situation with work and going to potentially having to just go get a job job after working in in the high-tech world and making a six-figure salary my ego is screaming at me bull is on the on uh, sitting on my shoulder saying what are you thinking like you can't do that like it demeans you it's demeaning it and it it, it means that I've failed which is fear-based because do I have what it takes? Am I good enough? Those are the two major questions. The two questions that, that men ask themselves. Am I good enough and do I have what it takes? And by taking a job that, that pays $15 an hour because I need to pay bills, um, it's hard. When I have rods in the fire, but I'm just, and it all it takes is one yes, um, it's still, it's hard to, to put my ego in check, to put bull in his place and be like, no, it doesn't make me less than, it doesn't make me weak. And I, that is a daily struggle for me, specifically around that area. Um, and that is, that's what the platform needs to look like. It needs to, to help teach men how to do that. And the way that you teach it is, is by sharing, sharing my experience, by talking about one of the best experiences I've ever had is because it really challenged my ego it really, I had to start asking myself, I'm like, do I know as much as I think I know? And, you know, none of us want to look dumb or, or, or like, 
we're, we're supposed to know it all, right? Men, you're supposed to have all the answers. When you talk about understanding, there's been this sort of misnomer that to reach understanding means to yield something over. We go all the way back to the beginning of the discussion where you said like men and the way that the archetype is sort of built up is like you have to conquer, right? If I have this land, I can't give up the land. Let's just use the land as an analogy for understanding and metaphor, if you will. Right. If I go over to understand where somebody is on, on there, then that means I'm giving up my stance or I'm yielding my stance. And I think what you're saying is that is not the case at all. In fact, what it does is it actually makes you stronger in your stance to understand even if the person's on the like completely opposite side, you still have that capability. And, and that's actually one of the things that this world needs more than anything is empathy and, and compassion for other people. And, you know, one of the things I said to you earlier while we were walking over here is that I do not believe in expectations anymore. Expectations are fool's gold. Okay, it is, it is not, it's not real because an expectation by definition is an unvoiced want, need, or desire. Unvoiced. It means that the other person that you have the expectation of, they have no clue. So if they have no clue, how can they, how can they meet the, what you need, want, or desire when they don't know? So I have either understandings, agreements, or requirements. Yeah. And um, so one of the guys that um, had uh, talked in the Brotherhood, um, he, t he was the one who coined, he said, uh, you know, that expectations are like fool's gold. And mm -hmm. I definitely have latched onto that. Um, you know, he, um, he gave the analogy of, of getting a college degree. You know, you need like 120 credits or 100, something like that. And so there are requirements that you have to meet. If you meet all those requirements, at the end of four years, you will have a degree. It's pretty simple, right? So there's requirements um, that you, you have to attend classes because you have to have a certain grade point average in order to pass the classes and stuff. There, there, there are requirements in place. And so you meet those requirements or you don't. And if you don't meet those requirements, then you'll get kicked out. If it's, you've, you're not going to classes and you're partying all the time or, you know, like, you know, those are, those are things that you have to, that you're making choices around, but there are requirements in order to do that. So, you know, I have, a, I have requirements on how people talk to me. Um, you know, you start screaming at me, uh-uh. I just walk away. Right. I'm like, see ya. I don't, I don't need that sort of thing. And I will, give that person opportunity to maybe check themselves and just be like, you're not going to talk to me like that. Like, you know, I, I don't let people talk to me in that, in that way and try and do it in a, in a way that is not, you know, anger based and throwing it back at them. Um, so I, you know, I have those, I have the, that, you know, that requirement. Um, or I have an agreement, or there's an, uh, an understanding. And, and being in my, in my, you know, what has made my marriage successful is that we get to understanding and agreements. And it's a constant, there's constant communication needed. And your, your, your topics that you may have feel like you've talked to death about, you know, it's like, I don't want to beat the dead horse. But, you know, something might shift for the other person and you need to talk about it again. And, um, and so having those agreements or understandings and getting to that, it, then there is no expectation. So there is no expectation to be met because if it's something that's important enough that I need, want, or desire, then I'm going to voice it. Because, I, because and, there, and, and once you voice it, it's no longer an expectation. You are no longer fitting the requirement of the definition of an expectation. When you said the unvoiced or the things that are not voiced, like, that just hit me like a ton of bricks because I realized that part of what this is is people want to come to a place where they can actually voice the otherwise unvoiced. Correct. And, and they've never done that before. And it goes back to the two things you said. I think one of them was, am I good enough? and do I have what it takes, right? I think those are two things that most men carry around in their head and never say out loud. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, the Purpose Infused Brotherhood, which is the platform that I participate in, but it's not the platform that I am envisioning because yeah. when I talked to him about creating my own thing, he was like, if as long as you're out there helping men, I'm happy for you. That's amazing. Okay. And that right there shows the growth that he has. Yeah. He can encourage me to go and do my own thing, even though it might be apart from the Brotherhood. 
I have no intention of leaving the Brotherhood though because they are my family. They are my, they are my home row. Yep. You know, like yep. on a key, your keyboard, they're Absolutely. my home road. They're what I go back to. They're my default. When I'm going through hard times, I no longer have to hold that in together. I can share that, even if it's with one of them. We're at a point now where if things are serious enough, I might reach out to Clay or I might reach out to Toby or one of the other guys. I know that they'll talk to each other and I don't have a problem with that. Right, because that's that's where I, I think where you that is one of those thresholds for family versus friend, Friends. right? Family in my world, and I can only speak for myself, is that family does have that permit permission to talk about something, not in a way that is gossipy, but it's like out of concern, right? Those two tenets of you know, am I good enough, and do I have what it takes? That's something I will definitely carry with me. That is the truth that men don't talk about that, and men have a really hard time. Um, like everything that we do gets thrown through that filter, right? And like, and, and if there is an, um, an ounce of doubt, the whole thing falls apart. I, I've been talking to you about creating this group for a while and the doubts creep in or the like, what do I do? Am I doing, am I really good enough to lead a group of men? And I know that I have, it also petered out because I needed to change. Right. And I was no longer doing a service to everyone because I didn't have my stuff together. I needed to take a pause to really process through a lot more. And this is building my own thing because that is part of my purpose. This journey of finding what my purpose is, once it's defined, doesn't mean that your journey is done. It doesn't mean the work is over because it is also how do I feed the purpose? Like what you do should feed your purpose. And if it doesn't, then you need to pivot. So one of the things why I've been out of work for as long as I have is I need to find the right fit. It has to align with my purpose. There are things that are, have, will have nothing to do with the things that I really love to do, like building friendships, building relationships with people. And uh, like, there are things that you have to do at work that yeah. aren't gonna like, I mean, that's, that's a no brainer, right? That said, I'm not gonna just take something for the sake of taking it, which is why that, so here's where ego, you know, it flipping in a slightly different angle is that my ego about thinking about just, if I don't land something, I have to go and just get a job just to make ends meet, then going against my purpose. But that's one angle. Who knows? I could go and get a job and actually find that I've connected with all these other people that that, that do that container. so so that join exactly and so you know it, that's that's where it's like enlightenment i mean i guess it's that i love the fact that you just said about being accountable because like i'm sitting here looking you in the eye and you're here confirming what i've been doing and that's a really powerful word the word confirming when you're confirming it, that means that it's something you already know to be true mm -hmm. right i think that a lot of times that that we have a hard time allowing confirmation to exist with us. We're not looking for it. We're not actively looking for confirmation. And it's sometimes it's right there, like your physical presence. You didn't need to actually say that I'm already doing it. Like you're already, you've already been confirming that. But then when you actually voice that to me, that confirms I'm on the right path. And we voiced the unvoiced. Ah, see, you're awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really interesting because it's, it's like the doctors who say patients should go do all this, do all this stuff. And right. then somebody says to the doctor, and how are you doing that for yourself? I think, I think it's just a, it's a challenge that we put ourselves in. And I think it's good that you're going through this split of this tension for yourself because you're realizing that you've helped so many people in this way. You want to continue to help people in this way and with this purpose driven. And you yourself are at a point where you're realizing that you're benefiting from your own work, but it's hard to give yourself that credit. Right. And so you let other people do that. You let other people confirm what you know to be true, not validate. You're not Correct. seeking validation. That's what I was like. Yeah. That's where I was trying to go. You're not seeking validation. Was, yeah. You're not even seeking affirmation, right? Those, those come from a completely different place, lack of abundance, Correct. if you will. You've got the abundant purpose. You just have people coming along saying, yeah, 
and I benefited too. How do you know when, you're, when your cup is full? It, you know, if you're not, if you're like, so you're just, you're confirming that there's an abundance there. And I'm saying, I feel like my cup is empty while well, they're drinking that. So that's the idea is that they're not drinking from the cup. They're drink, drinking from the saucer. Well, yeah. Because nobody drinks from nobody my cup. Nobody yeah, touches yeah, the cup. Yeah. Would you ask yourself this? Would you want a three-year-old that was just outside playing in the dirt, drinking from the same cup that you're drinking from? Fair. I think that in just this conversation today is that my realization is that my cup is actually full. Yes. It is full and it's overflowing. And overflowing. Yeah. And overflowing. <laughs> yeah. But I had blinders onto it right. because of all the other pressures that go on. So, you know, life, this is a journey and we have to accept that life is not going to ever be perfect. There's nothing, there is no way to be perfect. Like there is no perfection. Yeah. Unless you want to say I'm perfect in my imperfections. Right. So blessed to, to finally met you in person know, and to, and to do this. Like, and um, I, you know, I sit here and I'm just like, I was a little all over the place, but I'm okay with it because it, it flowed the way it was gonna flow. One of the great things that I've learned from all of this, right, is you, you or somebody else might feel like when they're talking, I'm here to tell you that exactly the way you said what you said is gonna land so strongly in somebody's body, right? right? You've experienced that. Mm -hmm, I have. And, and it's, it's as much a mystery as it is a method. So, Enjoy the mystery, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. I'm excited because now I, I really have no excuse other than it being just lazy at this point. I'm ready. I head off tomorrow to see my family, for which I haven't seen in, in three years. And my mother just finished cancer treatment and we're going to be together for a week. I'm so excited. and I, I feel like like we all we need this. All of us need it. And to have this conversation at the cusp of that and knowing that I actually will have time where I have actually made a decision like I need this I need to be reconnected with my family which I'm very close to so I'm very grateful because it's allowing me to set some intention going into this vacation of staying true to my purpose and that you've helped me see that feels yeah. pretty good. We all need to recharge. And there'll be days, like you said, there'll be days that you're like, it's just, mm -hmm. you're in flow, right? And it's coming and there'll be other times you need to restore. Yeah. It's been an honor. Thank you. It's been a true honor. And like, that's a great feeling knowing that you are going into a very important milestone in life. Having not seen family in three years, feeling the best you can feel. Yeah. That's, that's a awesome. wonderful gift to play a small, small role in. So thank you. Yeah.